The Pac-12 still has a path to the playoff, and it got a lot clearer on Saturday. Plus, some fascinating discussion on the meteorite situation. Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lockdown Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thanks so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with all things Pac-12 conference-related. Please keep liking, commenting, subscribing, asking questions, continuing the discussion thread on YouTube. I love all of that and appreciate all of you for supporting the show, which today is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Spencer, why are you wearing a suit jacket and a button down without the top button button? Because I was wearing a tie when I was calling a college basketball game earlier today. Decided to take it off, but you know what? I got home and I was like, man, I want to knock out the pod. I want to get it done, go to bed, and thought, you know what? Let's just bring a little formality to it. Why not? Right? Business, right? All straight business. And such. If it's too much, if it looks weird, let me know and I won't do it again. But a couple things with the Pac-12. They got a lot of help over the weekend. They got a lot of help over the weekend in their pursuit to get a team into the college football playoff. And I contend there's still a lot of time left. A lot of things can happen. And one of USC, UCLA, or Oregon could get into the Pac-12 or get the Pac-12 back into the college football playoff. It could 100% happen. If you have a one-loss Pac-12 conference champion, they've all got a legitimate case. Now, they all have a couple of blemishes that might keep them out of a discussion with, say, a one-loss SEC Tennessee team that doesn't have a conference championship. Could. So possible. Could definitely take place. UCLA is not conference schedule. Weak. Oregon's best non-conference win, BYU. Not looking that great right now. That game against Georgia, boy, that's ugly. USC, who's their best non-conference win going to be if they go 12-1? and Notre Dame? Notre Dame's not that good. Maybe Notre Dame could end the year at, at best, it'd be 8-4. and Kind of feels like they're going to be 7-5. and five. Could be 6-6. Six and six. So is it a lock? No. I've said all along the Pac-12 needs help. I've also said all along, this is college football. Help will be provided to those who do what is asked of them and let the chips fall where they may. And chips are starting to fall. I don't know if any of you saw what happened over the weekend, but Clemson got embarrassed by Notre Dame. Notre Dame stinks. Clemson should be out of the top 10, and they should not be able to get into the playoff, even as a one-last conference champion. They were already operating on thin ice, at least I hope, in the eyes of the committee. They had them at four, which I thought was ridiculous. I think Michigan is a way better team. I think Michigan would house Clemson if they played right now. 35-14, to you lost at Notre Dame. You know who won on that same field against that same team just a couple weeks ago? Stanford. Yeah, I'm just going to let that hang out there for a minute, let you know everything that you need to. The Irish could be a much improved team, but they're not a good team. They could be in a year or two. They're not a good team this year. Straight up, they are not. I think USC is going to run them out of the Coliseum. 
Yeah, excited for that later in the year because who doesn't like watching Notre Dame lose, right? That's just kind of like a that's just kind of national thing, right? Everybody likes watching Notre Dame lose. Everybody likes seeing Alabama lose because you just do. That's like that's just what you do sometimes. But I don't like harping on that stuff too much. Uh, but I do like looking at how the Pac-12 was aided by the results over the weekend. Another result that went in the Pac-12's favor took another team out of the playoff discussion. Could Clemson theoretically still be in it? Yeah. Could Bama? No, I don't think so. I do not think so. And the team that beat Alabama, that now has a win against the Crimson Tide, that is helping Tennessee mightily with their strength of schedule right now. Their strength of schedule overall is very good, but their marquee win is Alabama, as it should be. It's Alabama. They're very good. But Bama's not quite that good. And LSU has two losses themselves. If LSU doesn't have a bunch of... I think they had a PAT block. That's how they lost to Florida State. If that doesn't happen, we're talking about the Tigers as a playoff contender in year one. Instead, they're a two-loss team. And the committee has shown us to this point, they are not putting a two-loss team into the playoff. Now, if there were going to be a year where that would take place, I actually do think it could be this one. Because Clemson is not any good. They could view the Pac-12 as being too weak, or the Pac-12 could cannibalize one another because there are a number of good teams up there. Right, Utah could beat Oregon. USC could, you know, beat UCLA, but then lose in the Pac-12 championship game. I don't know. A lot of a lot of things could take place there, and you might just not be left with anybody because the Big 12 champion could be a two-loss TCU. It could be a one-loss TCU. It could be a three-loss Texas team. For all we know, a lot of things could take place there. Speaking of the Horn Frogs, so I'm just I'm just throwing that out there because LSU is starting to play some really good football and. You know, Bama's got that institutional brand respect because they're Alabama. If there were ever a year where the committee would put in a two-loss team, this might be the one. We'll see how we'll see how everything plays out. Still a long way to go, but I, uh, I, I would, I would watch and see how that goes because you might just run out of options at the end of the day. But you'll have a one-loss Tennessee, most likely a one-loss Ohio State or Michigan, whoever loses that game, a non-Big Ten champion. But uh, speaking of other ways, the Pac-12 was held. Georgia handily beat Tennessee. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Because now Tennessee is one loss away from, wait for it, being a two-loss team and hypothetically not getting into the playoff. And even if this is the year where a two-loss SEC team gets in over a one-loss some other conference really good team, like say they put in... I don't know, 10 and 2 LSU over 11 and 1 Michigan and and punish the Wolverines for their weak non-conference schedule. The Pac-12 is certainly going to be a player in that situation. <laughs> like you just, if you've got a one-loss champion, I don't think it matters who it is. Because UCLA would probably have gotten a revenge game against Oregon, the team that beat them, if they win it, USC would have beat, it looks like Oregon's going to get to the Pac-12 championship game. I think they'll probably drop one of these final three games. I don't think they'll drop two of them because their offense is just otherworldly at the moment. But USC could have a win against a Notre Dame team that isn't that good, but, you know, we'll get you some street cred anyway. UCLA barely lost to Utah. And then hypothetically beating Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, potentially, depending on how things play out. I'm just saying, those resumes are there. And speaking of TCU, who I mentioned like two thoughts ago, 
The Horn Frogs didn't look very impressive against Texas Tech. That doesn't sound like a lot because they ultimately got the win. But that tells you a couple things. Number one, the committee is now going to feel justified in doubting them. So the threshold that the Horn Frogs have to get over in the eyes of the college football playoff committee is higher than that of a typical team. They should not have been, what were they, seventh last week? They should not have been seventh. They had a better resume going into last week than Alabama. It's unquestionable. But because they're TCU and not Alabama or Georgia or Clemson or Ohio State, they're not given the benefit of the doubt there. So the Horned Frogs, if they suffer one loss in the regular season and they play at Texas this week, who knows how far they could drop. That could be a situation where even if TCU comes back, wins the Big 12 championship, it's at the very least going to be seen on similar footing to a one-loss Pac-12 champion. Lots of good news there, and some more as well. But first, of course, this week's thrilling moment in college football in the Pac-12 is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it has to be Washington's 90, what was it, 4, 5, 6, something like that yard drive on a stingy Oregon State defense with howling winds. They converted a couple third downs. Michael Penix made throws. The offensive line was unbelievable. And then Peyton Henry finishes the job. And the Huskies, in this latest iteration of the college football playoff rankings, which will come out after this episode drops on Tuesday night, will in all likelihood be in the top 25. Well-deserved, might I add, because they just keep winning games. And we could have an entirely different conversation. Washington could be in this discussion if they can pull out, find a way to get that win against Arizona State. Pretty amazing how that stuff can kind of go down. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. So TCU, I think, is kind of teetering in the eyes of the committee. Now, I'll, I'll get to what I think the the records are going to be here in just a moment. But the other good news for the Pac-12 is that Georgia really kind of handled Tennessee. And though the score was not as ugly as Oregon's 49-3, to every little bit helps if you're the Ducks of making Georgia look like a world beater. And they look better than everybody else. They just do. And every time they show that, it gives you just a, li- just a little. I'm not saying a lot. You can't completely wipe it away. Not going to argue that. But you can make baby steps in the right direction if Georgia keeps beating the crap out of people. Here's where I think the college football playoff rankings will be. And if you're listening to this after they're already out... Feel free to flame me in the YouTube comments if I'm wildly off. But here's what I imagine the committee will do. Georgia, number one. Big surprise. Ohio State, two. I think Michigan will be three. Tennessee, four. TCU, five. Oregon, six. I think you'll have USC, seven. LSU at eight. I think Bama will be at nine. Ole Miss at ten. I think Clemson will be at 11, even though they should be like 17. It's just not a very good football team. UCLA 12 and Utah at 13. Washington, I imagine, 
in the 20 to 25 range. They probably take Oregon State slot. I'll I'll say they go number 24. Let, let's let's say they're they're probably in in that particular range. That's where I imagine they will be. We'll see how accurate that ends up being. But the Pac-12 was always going to need help, and they got a lot of it over the weekend. And more could be on the way. The path of the Pac-12 getting in the playoff, it's it's becoming clearer by the week. And we've still got three weeks of the regular season left and conference championship week. Long way to go. Long way to go. Not guaranteeing anything because you have to have a one-loss champion. No luck. That is not that is not certified. That is not put it on the books. Nothing. But if the Pac-12 can do that, they are going to have a really good argument for getting into the playoff. How they'll perform there? And we'll address that, uh, cross that bridge when we come to it and such. Okay. Edward Wayner on YouTube asked a question, and I wanted to answer as best I could. And it took me down like a, a mini little rabbit hole that I actually really enjoyed. And I think you're all going to as well with regards to the Pac-12 media rights and, uh, and what could happen. By the way, Dan Patrick, nothing is officially announced, but... He said on his show that the San Diego State edition of the Pac-12 is imminent. Not surprising. I've said for a long time here on the show, that's probably the leading candidate. And every time I say, well, you're getting into the Southern California market. Oh, it's not Los Angeles. So oh, people just go nuts. They go absolutely crazy. It's not Los Angeles. You're not getting there. You can't do this. I'm not here to tell you that San Diego State is going to replace what USC and UCLA were. I'm just here to tell you it's located in the southern part of California, and that as a whole appeals to TV networks or a streaming service like Amazon. And being able to make that pitch, however weak it is compared to having the two L.A. schools, is stronger than not having it at all. I'm not saying it's the strongest hand in the world, but if you're trying to create the best one, it's probably going to involve San Diego State. We'll see when that gets official. Edward asks, what kind of TV numbers will the Pac-12 get streaming on Amazon? Fox looks like they're out of the Pac-12. Is ESPN going to increase their bid for the Pac-12? Will Oregon and Washington sign a Pac-12 guarantee of rights or a GOR? How do Pac-12 schools like Stanford, Cal, and Colorado hurt or help the Pac-12 TV numbers? Their Pac-12's okay TV numbers. It's an interesting question. And I will answer as much of it as I can with the research that I did. And one thing that I found out, unfortunately, that the number of people who watch the Pac-12 network games, that data is not actually available. Even to major major media outlets, they don't publish it. I don't know if that's normal. ESPN Plus is apparently the same thing. You can't just go in and see how many people were watching. I'm sure they know internally, but it appears they don't want that out. Maybe someone's got more insight on that front, but... That is what I found when I stumbled upon this piece in The Athletic from from Stuart Mandel, or Mandel, I don't know how he pronounces his name, but he had a really, really great rundown that I want to go through that brings up a lot of really interesting points. This was from uh, the end of July of, of this year, but still applies to what the Pac-12 is going to try to do here, especially in light of the potential news of adding San Diego State. So... Data is not available for the Pac-12 network and and for ESPN+. But the data that they compiled, very nice and neatly, might I add, was from the previous media deal, or the one that I guess is still underway. And this is not including Pac-12 network games. This is just looking at how they performed on 
cable channels like ESPN or ESPN2 or Fox, stuff like that, right? Because those are the, the networks that were involved in, in the Pac-12's rights. Neither's currently making uh, a major bid or they haven't made a major bid or they lowballed it, you know, whatever the case may be out there. But I think it's all information you'll be interested to know. This is from 2015 to 19 and 2021. I am really glad they excluded the COVID season because that just wasn't real and did not count. So excluding the USC and UCLA games, which gives us a clearer picture of the sort of value the Pac-12 can actually have after the LA schools go to the Big Ten, because that's ultimately what's going to be negotiated here by Klyovkov and his team. The average number of viewers per game are as follows. Oregon at the top with 1.96 million. Here's a surprise. Number two, Stanford at 1.83 million average viewers per game outside of their matchups with USC and UCLA. So this is a good picture of what the Pac-12 could look like going forward, what sort of numbers they could get. And Stanford being up there, even though they've been really bad, right? 2015 to 2019, they were better, but they've been bad the last few years. But again, this is factoring in all of that. They weren't very good in 2019. They were four and eight. They were three and nine last year. They're looking like they'll be five and seven at best here here this season because they play at Utah and they are not going to to win that game. So Stanford gets 1.83. And the reason probably that they get that number is because since 1997, every year except 2020, they have played Notre Dame. And you could say, well, you know, that's just, it's just because they play Notre Dame. Yeah, but they do. That's one of Notre Dame's consistent opponents as an FBS independent, right? USC is always there. Stanford's always there. Navy's always there. Like, I'm pretty sure Navy's always there. But those games are there consistently. So that's why Stanford has a little bit more value than most people probably realize. i got to be honest. I didn't think that Stanford would be that high on the list. Even taking into account the Notre Dame games, I didn't think the Cardinal would be that high because they don't have huge fan support at their stadium, and they haven't been very good. And they're just not that exciting of a program right now. They haven't been, and yet they're still able to average that those number of that number of viewers per game. And even if, you know, that's being anchored heavily by the Notre Dame game, that's still a valuable pitch. And that's something you have to consider and look at. You can't just throw it out the window and say, well, if they didn't have Notre Dame, then they wouldn't have. Yeah, but they do. By all accounts, they're going to keep playing. So Stanford is in there at number two. Washington, no surprise, at number three. That's who I thought would be number two because they're in the, the Seattle market at $1.73 million. Washington State at $1.59 is next. I did not think the Cougars would be that high either. I think that's partially a testament to them playing some tough games, but that's higher than I thought it would be. Colorado, $1.49. That's about where I thought they'd be. Utah down at $1.44 million average viewers per game. Cal below them at one27 ASU at 1.19, and then Arizona and Oregon State are the only two that in this period, which is 2015 to 2019 and 2021, excluding USC and UCLA games, Arizona averages 815,000 and the Beavs at 723,000. And I, I think these numbers present a relatively optimistic outlook. And a lot of you have been telling me, like, why are you optimistic? Why are you this? Why are you that? Well, looking at the information, reacting to it. That's the nature of the show here on Locked On Pac-12. And I say, 
Man, that's that's not as bad as you'd think. It's not great. It's not perfect. It'd be better if the L.A. schools had stayed. I feel like I have to say that over and over because people don't seem to get it. Well, it's just not going to be as good. Well, it's not. I'm not saying it's going to be as good. The question is whether or not it can even survive, whether it can be sustainable. But there is one underlying fact about all those numbers that pertain to the last conversation we had here on the show about the meteorites deal that I will tell you after I talk to you about Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.com. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Here's the interesting fact about those numbers I just read average viewers per game over a six year sample size, excluding USC and UCLA. Oregon, 1.96 million. Stanford, 1.83. Washington, 1.73. Washington State, 1.59. Colorado, 1.49. Utah, 1.44. Cal, 1.27. ASU, 1.19. Arizona, 815,000. Oregon State, 723,000. Seven of those schools, or excuse me, eight of them, count ASU, 1.19, right there. Average 1.2 million or more which is higher, which is higher over the same period than all but two of the Big 12 holdovers who just got a new media rights deal without Oklahoma and Texas. You all think it's ridiculous. You all think it's absurd that the Pac-12 could find a way to survive. And yet, I found this to be pretty enlightening of like, man, Maybe what we were saying on Friday did, in fact, have some merit behind it. Because the Big 12 just got a new deal. Did anyone doubt that, that, that the Big 12 was going to continue? Did anyone say the Big 12's demise is imminent? Yeah, maybe a handful of people did, but not like they did the Pac-12. And for all of you who think, well, this is not a strong position. Pac-12 doesn't have this. Pac-12 doesn't have that. Those are the numbers. I'm just reading I'm just reading them to you. I'm not making them up. <laughs> I'm just reading them to you. Better than all but two of the Big 12 holdovers in terms of average viewers per game. And you don't think anybody would want that. Here's the other fascinating component. And every Pac-12 fan knows of the magical, wonderful lore of Pac-12 After Dark. On the one hand, it sucks because as Chip Kelly pointed out in a media availability the other day. When you play that late at night, you don't get as much exposure because not as many people are watching, but also the highlights don't run throughout the day, which I thought was an interesting point and one I do think he is correct about. However, as it pertains to a media rights negotiation, it's an advantage for the Pac-12 because no other conference can play in that late window. They can't. Other than the Mountain West, who have a deal with CBS Sports, and we're not going to pretend that the Pac-12, even without USC and UCLA, is on the level of the Mountain West. It's way above. Can we all agree on that? Okay, good. So that's the advantage. And people think, well, you know, they're not going to, you know, they don't need to put that content there. They've been doing it for a long, long time. 
there's a reason. And here's the reason. In 2021, there were 12 games kicking off at 10 p.m. Eastern time or later on Fox or ESPN or FS1. They average 1.34 million viewers per broadcast and all but two were over a million. Like that has value. And the other thing too, for people who think, well, you know, networks don't want to pay this. They don't want to do that. And it's not that value. And it's not that big. And, and, and yada, yada, yada. What else are you going to put on in that slot? Well, you could put anything on. Nobody's watching anyway. Tell me, in the United States of America, where football is heavily ingrained into our culture, shall we say, where football is king on television and in our lives in general, hence why it is the focal point of this particular show, because I know that's what you are all interested in most. It's what I love the most. In what universe are you going to put on anything that will get as high of a rating as a college football game on Saturdays in the fall and early winter? That's what we care about at that time. That's what we want to watch. I mean, what else are you going to put on? A rerun? TV show? Like, I, I don't know. I'm not a network executive, so I don't know what they would go with there. And maybe some of you will have some ideas. But the idea that you want to just completely get away from these late night kickoffs, that could really be a boon to the Pac-12 as they try to land their next media rights deal because they can put teams in that slot and they can put the highest caliber of teams in that slot. Thinking like way down the line, Mountain West can't hold the Pac-12's water. Not even close. It's not even close. Even without USC and UCLA, they're not getting those sorts of numbers. They're just not. They're going to be under a million a lot. And the Pac-12 in 12 games last year was under a million twice. That's a bargaining chip because networks want to show college football because that's what we're watching. That's what people care about. Is it going to be? I, I just get so tired of the people who say, well, you know, it's it's not the Big Ten. It's not the SEC. No, it's not. Nothing about the Pac-12 is similar to the SEC. The goal is not to become the SEC. It's to make the Pac-12 as good as you possibly can. And I think that's a legitimate bargaining chip as they navigate this media rights landscape. And a bunch of you are going to hop in the comments and say, no, Spencer, it's ridiculous. pac 12s dying is dead. Okay. We'll see. The Big 12 got a deal. And again, I read you the numbers. They're comparable at the very least, if not better, as I outline. We'll end with that. A lot of hot takes tonight. That's okay. Appreciate everyone listening. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day.